It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In today's show, I want to talk about how the pandemic and the aftermath of it is going to bring about very, very welcome needed changes in education, uh, way overdue, particularly for people past high school. And also, inflation is just eating up your wallet, right? So we're going to talk about how you can do things to beat inflation, at least in part, every day in your life. So I'm always just at base an optimist. But this time, I really believe my optimism is not misplaced. I've been frustrated for a long, long, long time that our post-high school education system in the United States has been rigid, institutional, bureaucratic, and not been focused on the needs of the students. And I believe that economic forces unleashed by COVID are going to absolutely change that equation because a lot of people who in the past may have felt, okay, I got to go off to college now, I'm done with high school or whatever. They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. For that job, what I really need is a certification in this computing skill. Or for that job, what I need is a certification in this, or I need to go to a technical college and get this particular training or education. Or I need to go into this internship or apprenticeship or whatever. People now are making decisions that don't automatically come back to the answer being, I've got to go to college, borrow all this money and all that. Now, I'm saying all this being a big believer in the value of a college education. But for so many people, a college education has been almost like a rote kind of thing. Rather than thinking through what it's going to lead to, what it's for, which is to create a productive member of society who can earn a decent living and have financial security through the decades. And what's happened is enrollments at all but the elite colleges in the United States have been declining, in some cases precipitously, because people are like saying, wait, 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 is that really what I should be doing? And the colleges have just been doing their glossy catalogs and solicitations and the you know everything the way they've been doing it and still not focusing on making college relevant for today's students. You know, the students see what's happened to their aunts and uncles and other people where they went to college, they didn't get a job that the college degree was really required for, and they still have that mountain of student loan debt that haunts them for years, decades, maybe a lifetime. So people are like, Missouri, the show me state, show me how this is going to be useful for me. How's it going to be relevant? Why should I pay you $75,000 a year to attend your school or 50000 or whatever it is when you look at the cost all in? What am I going to get for that? In other words, 18-year-olds, 20-year-olds, and their parents are learning to be 
educational consumers. They're not sheep anymore. And it's going to require a major adjustment in how educational institutions are run and the focus moving from the internal, the administration, the faculty, the staff, to actually where it should be focused, the students. Now, I may, again, be being too optimistic about this, but it's what I see happening because even a lot of states are reporting that their state schools where costs are much lower. Let's say you move from the 50,000 level to 25,000 for an in-state student, an in-state school, everything all in. Families are saying, students are saying, wait, 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 I'm not going to spend all that money. And the enrollment numbers are dropping as well. Relevance is going to be key. A connection to a career is going to be key. And again, I think college is a great idea for so many people, a majority of people probably coming out of high school. But college has got to be not just a check mark, it's got to lead somewhere. And I think we're going to move into an era where it is about that. And Krista, your daughter goes to one of those elite schools in the country where like 3% of applicants get accepted or something. Is it three? Um, I think, well, this year it was like five, I think. 5%. It was crazy. But but I'm so proud as well of my nephew. I think I might have mentioned him before. I'm not sure if I did in the podcast, who decided he didn't, he just didn't want to do the traditional college. And he went to welding school and he just graduated and he got a fantastic job. And he's going to be able to travel all over the country all the time, which he loves travel like you do. And the job is primarily doing things in airports. So it's really, really cool. He's he's so excited. And that worked out really well for him. Okay, so, I love that. He gets to be a great? welder in the airport. But that means he works overnight? Um, I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Um, but I'm just, I'm thrilled for him. And he's really excited. So we'll go to some questions. This one's from Sean in Illinois. When you rent a car in Florida, the tolls have no cash lanes and rental cars provide no transponders. The car rental agency ends up mailing the $1 toll with the administrative junk fee of $10, making all the tolls go from $1 to $11 or $12. How do you get around this problem? Sean, this is such a frustration for me. And there's something that you need to know about and it's a multi-state portable toll reader that i've had for i've had it for a couple of years and it's called the uni the uni i bought mine on amazon they're sold on ebay different places it's something that is actually done by one of the toll authorities in the state of florida but it works in most states on the eastern seaboard and some in the midwest there's nobody who's put together a full national portable toll reader but the way this works is it's got those suction cuppy kind of things that you put on the windshield right under the rearview mirror and you register that rental car to it the tag number what kind of plate number the kind of vehicle it is stuff like that and then you go through those tolls and you're billed only the actual toll rate. There's no monthly fee for the uni and it has saved me so much money avoiding these absolutely extortionate ripoffs. I had the same thing happen. I got it when I was in Virginia. 
in the Tidewater area of Virginia, and I got hit with the $10 charge for, in that case, it was a $2.5 toll. So a $2.5 toll cost me 12 and a half bucks, and that, you didn't have to hit me in the head twice. You had to hit <laughs> no me in kidding. the head once, and that's when I found the uni. But it just is crazy that we don't have a cooperative effort with a nationwide toll reader that people can have that works anywhere in the country like they do all over Asia, all over Europe. In fact, we may be the only major country in the world that doesn't have a nationwide toll reader that is a portable one that you can carry with you. And I know when I've rented cars in states with this, I, they do often offer the transponders for a fee, which is hefty. And so if you don't have one of these for some reason, or there's not one for that state, I always map out where I'm going to go and see if I'm actually going to need it. Because a lot of times I'm not even going to need it. And so you pay for it and then you don't use it. Well, you know, I was just in uh, Southwest and South Florida and what I did was I set the uh, GPS on my phone. I was in a rental car, set the GPS on my phone to avoid tolls. No tolls, yep. And one of the drives from southwest Florida to over to Fort Lauderdale, it showed me that the drive would be an extra 44 minutes long. Mm. So I popped up my portable <laughs> toll reader. And I paid the toll. Yeah, that makes sense. This is from Wesley in Louisiana. Hi, Clark. I'm the president of my neighborhood HOA. Most residents are owners' residents, but there is one rental in the neighborhood. I'm getting many complaints about the condition of that home and their tenants parking. The HOA vague covenants don't give me many options, and the owner, who's a lawyer, has been unresponsive. Since the rental is in the name of a business, do you think it would be a good idea for neighbors to organize a picket in front of the business? Uh, that I would not do, Wesley. Um, uh, first of all, the owner of this property is a lawyer. That would be a terrible idea to do something where uh, you got a lawyer fired up who might come and sue many of you individually and collectively as an HOA. I'm gathering from what you've said that your HOA is a voluntary HOA, not a mandatory HOA. If it's a mandatory HOA, you have covenants. The board can pass many restrictions. You have the ability in a mandatory HOA to issue fines. If you are a voluntary HOA, you don't have those kind of things you can do. What you should do is see if the parish you live in in Louisiana can cite the property owner for any property violations. Almost certainly there could be things that are health or safety related if this property is really uh, being maintained very, very poorly. The other thing is if you are a traditional mandatory association, you almost certainly have a property manager who has access to a lawyer you can consult with and see if there's any particular action you can take against this errant homeowner, absentee homeowner. But this is, even though I love in certain situations the uh, informational picket in front of a business, that's one step too far removed to do it in this case. 
And from William in North Carolina, I recently received an email from my business phone provider stating they were adding an economic adjustment charge of $2.20 per month per line for each smartphone and data device and a $0.98 cent per line charge for each basic phone and tablet device. What are your thoughts on charges like this? And should I take my business account to another provider? Well, William, it's your choice if you use what this really terrible behavior of Verizon, as cynical behavior of Verizon, to pick up and move somewhere else. You will have to decide that. But what's happened, um, T-Mobile is prohibited from raising rates right now because of their purchase of Sprint. And they're under a prohibition for several years raising rates. AT&T and Verizon are taking advantage of the fact that there's currently only three major providers instead of four in the country as we had before. And they're pushing up rates all different kinds of ways. AT&T just more directly saying, hey, that rate plan you have, we're just going to charge you more. And Verizon coming up with the junk fees, they've made it clear at Verizon in their conversations and with the financial community that they expect they'll have no blowback from customers at all. They're hiding behind inflation, where the reality is providing uh, cellular service has been going down in cost, not up. The great news today is you have many, many competitors you can go to, or even if you want to stay on Verizon's network, there are a lot of choices with that, that Verizon may be doing you a favor, William, by doing this new junky junk fee Because if you get out there and shop, even staying on Verizon's network, you could see your way potentially to cutting the cost of your cell service by half to two-thirds. It's amazing if you look at our cell phone shopping guide, our planned shopping guide at Clark.com or anybody's shopping guide like that, you'll see how much cheaper other providers are than Verizon, which is by far and away the most expensive company to have your cell phone service with, or AT&T or even T-Mobile, compared to any of the big three brand names, much, much cheaper choices exist in the marketplace. Can you do that as a business, though? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so the, the thing with the junk fees, a lot of companies are doing the junk fees. Even restaurants are putting at the bottom of a bill, more and more reports, restaurants being squeezed by inflation. In their case, they have actual higher costs where the cell phone carriers have lower costs now. But so they're just taking advantage. But the restaurateurs are like, what do I do? I keep raising my menu prices. I'm going to scare people away. But they don't seem to notice when I have some kind of extra cost at the end of the bill. Have you seen any of those Mm -hmm. eating out? Oh, yes, I have. And what are they called? Um, it just depends. I was in New York City recently and there were some, they were called different things just depending, but you know, there was a charge for everything. It seemed like just sitting down, just an extra, you know, I don't mind if menu prices are raised. I mean, to me, that makes the most sense. Well, but a lot of people, it's kind of like the airlines, people shop and they see the, the, or a hotel, you know, they see the price of a hotel room per night. They see the cost of an airline ticket and they don't really calculate in the junk fees for baggage, the junk fees for breathing, the junk David, fees for a daily assignment. service charge. Oh, the hotel ones. Oh my gosh! Daily amenities fee, resort fee, urban. Right. One of them I saw recently was an urban facilities uh-huh. fee. Uh huh. Uh huh. What's an urban facilities <laughs> I know, fee? It's crazy. So it's all about 
playing tricks on our mind about what the real cost is. So Verizon say, oh, we didn't raise your rates. So why is my bill higher? And I want you to be aware, anytime a company does that, particularly cynically like Verizon and AT&T are doing in an industry with falling costs, raising prices, it's all about just trying to squeeze your wallet. And if it triggers you to shop and find a better deal, then you're doing what you should be doing. And by the way, Verizon, AT&T, you're welcome to come on the podcast and tell me why I'm wrong about why it's so much cheaper for you now to deliver service because of all the 5G you've been building out and try with a straight face to tell me that your cost did not collapse. There's so much cheaper to deliver service to people because of the new 5G technology versus 4G LTE. I mean, if you want to try to say that with a straight face, you're welcome to do so on our podcast. Speaking of which, coming up next, we're going to talk about inflation and what you can do about it. What are the things happening with inflation that are tricks of the trade that you can, you can't defeat inflation, but you can manage it at least in part. Inflation is testing all of us, and this inflationary era is something that has so many causes. You can't blame any one thing, any one person, but it is a collection of things that all really got kicked off, obviously, by the pandemic, has been impacted by uh, mistakes that the Congress and uh the president made with pumping too much money in the economy, the Federal Reserve pumping too much money in the economy. We have the uh, chip shortages. We have various supply chain disruptions. We got the problems in China. And all these different things happened. Workplaces having to shut down because of an outbreak of COVID. We've got uh, Putin invading Ukraine and the massive impact that was like piling on everything else that happened and so it's not any one thing that will get inflation under control but we i want to make it clear we can and we will get inflation under control it's just a matter of how much pain it is along the way and how long it takes and that's unclear inflation should be easier to tackle this time than old-timers like me remember in the 70s and into the early 80s when it seemed like it was out of control and we were moving towards galloping inflation late in that era. And I believe that we will have a less painful time getting inflation under control than the last big wave, but we will have pain getting there. And it's like, what do you do about that pain? Well, first of all, in the midst of it, there's so many economic dislocations that there's a lot of areas of the economy where things are actually going down in price while most things are going up. Anything for the house. You think about um, mattresses. A lot of these mattress companies are going to go bust because they've scaled up to manufacture. There's now far more uh, mattresses available then there are people who need beds to sleep on. And we're going to see, as we already have, unbelievable deals on mattresses. If you've got an old one you're sleeping on, this is your summer 
to replace that mattress. Mattress prices are going down, down, down for very high-quality mattresses. Um, clothing, way in overstock. Patio furniture, way overstocked. Inside-the-house furniture, way overstocked after being in such shortage for so long. And sector after sector, which was part of us nesting during COVID, and now we're out and about doing things, those companies that could not get enough goods made no matter what now have caught up and run past, and now manufacturers, distributors, and retailers have too much, too much Um, clothing. Man, you look at what Target's going through. They got way too many TVs, um, way too many items of clothing of like every kind, and they've got to get rid of it. And this is happening at retailer after retailer that what they had in shortage, they now have an extreme surplus, and they got to get rid of it. So for people that are in really great shape financially, there are so many categories where the deals are really almost to the point of being unprecedented. But what about the things that you can't do much about? We talked about gasoline at the margins. You can make a difference. Different parts of where your wallet is being pinched, you can make marginal differences. But we posted on social media to ask you what you were doing in your own life to just take a hammer to your expenses. And People are doing a variety of things. Charles in California says, my wife and I quit buying Starbucks coffee and Pete's coffee completely. I don't know what Pete's is. I don't drink coffee. Krista, what is Pete's? That's a very popular brand of coffee. Oh, mm-hmm. so anyway, I, I don't. And, and they have stores too. I've never had coffee in my life. Wow. Well, I've made up for you. So, I mean, that's something that they've done. Over and over again, like Margaret in Michigan, Marianne in Rhode Island, uh, Debbie in Georgia, they're all talking about how they're cutting back on road trips, consolidating trips, being thoughtful about when they take a trip. Uh, People have been cutting back on eating out. Mm -hmm. We see that from person after person. in Arizona said she's not eating out at all anymore. Merritt in Washington uh, has been able to cut um, his or her grocery bill, because Merritt could be the right man or woman, has cut uh, his or her grocery bill in half. And you can do that. I mean, you can, if you're somebody who's not eating out a lot and you depend on the grocery store, we've talked about all the strategy with groceries to reduce the cost from where you shop to what you buy to when you buy those items. Um, Frank in, uh, where is Frank? Frank's in Florida. Florida is doing more streaming and less time out of the house. Mm-hmm. But I, I hate that you're, if it takes you from socializing with other people, which can be free. But maybe it also means he's not going to the movie theater and spending all that much money that you would spend streaming movies. Do people still go free. to movie theaters? I went to the movie theater for the first time very recently that I've gone since before COVID happened. What and did you so- see? Um, I saw the Downton Abbey movie with a couple of my friends who are big. You don't even know what that is, do you? It's some kind of British thing about a hundred years ago or something with the rich it's people a masterpiece and the show. Yes. poor people. 
Love it. I love it. And uh, my son was hurt. My son and and my husband went to see Top Gun, which a lot of people are going to see, the new Top Gun movie. And they love that, too. I'm too dull to go to a theater. Um, It was expensive. But over and over again, person after person talks about how they're not driving anymore. Mm -hmm. They're they're driving less than they were before. Uh, One person, Joseph in Virginia, says he's buying E85 gasoline Mm -hmm. as a way to save money. Now, only certain cars or a lot of SUVs can run on E85, which is made with 85% ethanol. And that can be cheaper depending on where you live in the country. You won't get the same fuel economy with E85, but net, you'll probably save money doing that. Joe in Oregon, love this one, eating from the freezers, fruit and veggie gardens, and bundling trips to town to save gas and using an ATV on the farm instead of a diesel tractor. That's a lot. That That is a lot of things. and And so each of us, will adjust in our own way with with expenses. And one thing we saw back in 20 was it was shocking to people how much of the money they normally spent in a month was actually money that was discretionary. And so some of those things you learned two years ago, you can use now with inflation because you and I cannot single-handedly get rid of the inflation we're having in different sectors. But you can control what happens with your own wallet. And those were just a Mm -hmm. small sampling of the things that people posted on our request on social media of what they're doing to reduce costs in their own lives. I know a lot of people who want to do more to fix up their homes or whatever, get new furniture. And so they're selling their old furniture on Facebook or other in private groups or in other places, and then buying used, too, on, on those groups, like clothing, anything you can get, and you get such deals. I mean, I do that quite a bit. So it's a real now, uh, One thing that for a lot of people is like a line they won't cross, they won't buy upholstered furniture that's uh, used. Well, I think you can clean it. I have a little upholstery cleaner that I could use, but. We have almost all used furniture in our house, mm-hmm. as you've seen. The upholstered stuff, we did have deep cleaned. Yeah after we bought it used. Always a good idea. Okay, uh, we'll go to some questions. And this one's from Matt in Georgia, very relevant. Any thoughts on how to save money on food when traveling? I always hear about great travel deals and ways to save money on airlines and hotels, but food costs can add up so quickly. What does Clark do when he travels? Pack a suitcase full of (laughs) $1.50 hot dog combos from Costco? Thanks, Clark, and see you on the road. So, Matt, it's funny you say that because I use this carry-on suitcase that has a middle, it's like a middle pocket. And in there, I put inexpensive, only semi-perishable, not I guess they're not non-perishable snacks in there so that I'm not in a position where I'm having to pay big money at a convenience store or whatever for a snack along the way. When I'm on the road, I do eat out, and that is expensive. But I use various apps to get a better deal. And if you are somebody who eats really healthy, that's not something I do. I've seen you hit a McDonald's in many a country, including (laughs) Japan. (laughs) McDonald's is very popular in Japan. Yes, yes. Not just with me. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, as an example, I have the McDonald's app. And there's all kinds of deals I get 
uh, using the app. I get free food, all that. Um, but it is a, a real hard thing. I'll tell you, though, when I'm in a really expensive country, what I do when I'm away from home anywhere in Europe, I think of immediately, we go to a supermarket and we will get like lunch food or something like that there and save the big cost of a meal. And water. And when you're on a trip, well, I drink tap water unless it's not safe in a country or a place. I always drink tap. But anyway, sorry. It's okay. I buy big balls of water because I do like to drink that. And when I was in New York recently, the hotel bottle of water was $12. And the tap water in New York City is the best in America. You should just be drinking Well, actually what I did was I bought a big bottle at a, like, it was super cheap at a convenience store or whatever it was. And then I refilled it from the tap. But I like to have a bottle. I didn't okay. bring, I've got to bring my medal. Anyway, okay. it's not all about right. me. Sorry, go ahead. It's not, I thought this is all about nope, you. Not the Krista show. You sure? Mm-hmm. All right. So, it could be. <laughs> no, It'd thanks. be more fun for people. Nope. <laughs> no? Um, anyway, uh, in short, there are strategies you can use even when you're away from home. And the supermarket is my favorite one when you're away from home to save money on food when you are on a road trip or you've gone somewhere else. And this is from Wendy. She says, I recently stayed at a hotel. They required a $200 charge to my credit card for incidentals that would be returned if not used. So it seems like I was manipulated into making an interest-free loan to a multi-million dollar company. Is this practice legal? What recourse do I have to prevent this from happening? So Wendy, unless the person at the front desk made a mistake, they don't actually charge your card the 200 They put a hold. They get an authorization for that amount of money. And that authorization vanishes in a few days. That's why it can be brutal for someone with a debit card, using a debit card at a hotel front desk, because if they put a 200 or $500 hold on the card, it means that amount of money that you would normally have available to use from your checking account is blocked for several days till that hold is lifted. But it would be very rare that a hotel would go past that and do a charge because then they've got to refund it later. They have to pay merchant fees that is a big cost to them. So that's why usually all they're doing is getting an authorization. Just worried someone might trash a room, right? So they want to have some money. Yeah, but $200 isn't going to be enough if somebody really trashes a room. Okay, this one's from Patrick in Washington. I live in Des Moines, Washington. I need to have my cedar siding on my house replaced with hardy plank cement board and have my property painted. The cost of materials to do any kind of home improvements has gone through the ceiling. Do you foresee any of the supply chain returning back to some normalcy and costs coming down anytime soon? Yeah, Patrick, if you can wait just a little while to do the hardy plank installation, you should benefit from stalling here. Procrastination will actually benefit you, pay for you, because the housing market with the much higher mortgage rates that the Federal Reserve is indirectly creating right now, that is putting a real slowdown on home construction, and that will in turn affect directly what you're paying for materials for a job like putting the hardy plank up. I don't know if you're putting hardy plank up yourself. I've done it many times as a habitat volunteer. Your arm will be really sore 
installing the hardy plank. The painting is easy on hardy plank, but the actual installation of hardy plank is uh, it's not one of my favorite jobs at a build site, but it's very durable, it looks great, and it will truly stand the test of time. And as for time, just give it a little more time and you will be rewarded with lower prices almost certainly. Now, I want to thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. If you're not signed up for our free newsletters, you heard that word free, please get on the list at clark.com slash newsletters. 